Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Just read along on the screen, but this is something we do every week because here's what we believe. You've got to say what you hear so you can see what you say. So say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today I open up my mind to receive the Word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up our hands say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, are y'all ready to go up? Look at somebody and say, glad you're here. You're looking good. You may be seated. Such an honor to have you. Thank you for joining us. And also thank you for the thousands that are joining us online right now. Give them a big hand. Thank you so much. And, you know, when I think about Christmas, there's a lot of of words that come to mind. But, uh, of course, Christmas is Jesus. But I love the word wonder. And um, that's what I'm going to be talking about today because... Uh, to me, Christmas is wonder. And I think, I think if, if you can really hear this up front, hear what I'm saying, and that is that I think the enemy of your soul, the devil himself, fights against you to steal you of your wonder. You see, marriage is supposed to be a wonder. Uh, the fact that we get to have a job is supposed to be wonder. That we have the power to get wealth is supposed to be a wonder. Having a family is supposed to be a wonder. Having children is supposed to be wonderful. But you know, I'm going to talk about it next week. I wish I could talk about it this week, but I've got something important to say to you this week. But next week, I'm going to talk about the wonder of navigation. And that sounds maybe a little bit strange, but do you realize that everything that God spoke about Christmas... Everybody they spoke to had to navigate their life based on the word that they got. And so God spoke to Joseph, and it was crazy. He had to navigate his life. What, what was he going to do? He thought about putting Mary away. You know, it's like he didn't know what to do with this word. Mary, God spoke to Mary, who was a virgin, and said, you're going to have a baby. What's she going to do with that? She had to navigate her life. Uh, the wise men who, who followed a star in the east, they, they, they had to navigate their life. So next week is going to be very profound. I just want to just say that. Not, I don't normally talk about the next week before I preach this week. But, but I'm, I'm saying that because I believe that there's going to be clarity and vision that prophetically God is going to give you next weekend. So it's going to be very, very powerful. Uh, but I, I think about how the older you get, you can lose your sense of wonder. Um, I love that song, I Hope You Dance, you know. I hope you never lose your sense of wonder. And yet, we sit here and don't realize it's a wonder to be able to live in the United States of America. It's, it's a wonder to have a car. It's a wonder to uh, have gas that goes in the car. You know, just a few months ago, you remember. I mean, Pastor Sheila and I are driving home, and all of a sudden we see these unbelievable lines at the gas station. I go, well, I didn't watch the news tonight. I mean, that's what it was. It was like, what in the world is going on? People were freaking out. And for the weekend, we thought the apocalypse 
we better get in those gas lines because there may be no gas ever, ever again. And there's things like that that happen in our life. And all of a sudden, one of the definitions, and again, we'll talk about it next week, of wonder is awe and awful. And you either live on the side of awe, you're in awe, or your life can be awful. And oftentimes, it's based on the way we navigate our lives and the things that we feel like that God is saying to us or wants for us, or sometimes we just don't know what God wants. So next week is going to be very important. But, but this thought about wonder, you know, I was talking to Josh this morning, my, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, I told him recently, I said, Josh, I've been missing something. I said, I've called you my son in whom I'm well pleased for years. And the other day, it just jumped out at me that when God spoke about Jesus, he said, he's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So I said, I'm going to start saying, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He goes, Dad, really, it's okay. No, no, I said, no, 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 no. No, this it's my, it's, that's, <laughs> he don't even know how blessed he is to have a daddy that speaks that over his life. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you, your daddy never said anything to you. You didn't even know him. But I'm going to tell you, the truth is, in this house, you have a spiritual father if you want it. You have a spiritual father voice. And I may cannot fill the void of a natural-born father uh, or a father of origin, but, but the Bible says you have 10,000 teachers but few fathers. I know who I am. And if there's one thing I know that I am, I know that I'm a spiritual father and that I have a spiritual father voice. So there's nothing weird about that. It's very biblical. And sometimes you'll hear me, and today you're going to hear it because I'm going to encourage you like a daddy, and I'm going to slap you like a daddy. I just quoted Joel Osteen on that. Uh, anyway, because I know that's what he said today. Hey, everybody, so great to have you. I'm about to slap you upside your head today and give you some hope dope. All right, so here we go. All right. <laughs> Let's look at the elevated big thought for this message. And again, on the back of your notes is a poem I wrote called The Paradox of Wonder that I'll get to next weekend. His story is proof of God's prophetic faithfulness in the past and that his promises in the future will come to pass. His story is proof of God's prophetic faithfulness in the past and that his promises in the future will come to pass. Can I just give you one more chance to put an amen on that? Because I'm telling you what, what this book is full of. In fact, if I was to say to you, and I'll just pick uh, Chapa. Chapa, if I was to say to you, Chopper, listen, I have this map, and I'm going to give you the first few steps, but you got you to go out of here, and you got to turn right on Teal. Then you're going to come to Maine, take a left on Maine. Then there's this street called 423. Take a right on 423. How many of you are with me so far? And I've got this map, and if you'll follow this map, you're going to find more gold than you could ever dream of and more riches than you could ever dream of. I mean, would you believe me enough to at least take the map? Because here's what God says. It's not about the gold that this book is going to give you. It's about the inheritance that God has for you that lies within the pages of this book. God has an inheritance just for you, but if you don't know the word, if you don't know the prophetic nature of Scripture, that from Genesis to Revelation, in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed, and in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed, and everything points to Christ. Everything points to Jesus. And that's why in this season, I love the Christmas season because Christmas is Jesus. But let's talk about wonder just for a moment. Take a look at your notes. And if you didn't get notes, the ushers have it for you. His story is proof that his story is true. 
And this, this should cause us to wonder. His story, the story of Jesus, which we find in the pages of this book, is proof that his story is true. Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus that was prophetically spoken hundreds of years earlier. And this is what's so significant about God's prophetic faithfulness in the past And his promises are going to come to pass in our life. Why? Because the Bible is not just about the prophecy of Jesus being fulfilled in the life of Jesus. But it's to show you that whatever God says is going to come to pass. Whatever God says is going to come to pass. And can I just prophesy over you right this second? God is going to speak to you today. I said God is going to speak to you today. So so let's pretend just for a minute if that's all we can do. Let's pretend uh, that the map that I was going to give Chapa exists. Let's, let's pretend just for a moment that this Bible is really true. In other words, pretending is believing enough that it, it could actually happen. And that's really what faith is. It's believing that God's, wor- God's ways are, are higher than your ways. God's thoughts are higher than your ways. And so let's, let's believe that. And so when we think about the the prophetic faithfulness of God in the past that points to the promises that are going to come to pass in our life, we find that in the book of Matthew, in the first two chapters, some of the best, the best known prophecies that we have are hidden in just those two chapters. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It's in reference to the birth of Jesus, obviously, and Matthew cites a prophecy that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, made 700 years earlier that we find in Isaiah 17, almost word for word. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, not just a woman, but a virgin, shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, we know the scripture For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Can you just put an amen on that? It'll just show God that you're in wonder that God sent his son for you. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So the first name that's given to Emmanuel, God with us. So if he's God with us, he wants to be God with us so he can be God in us, so he can be God through us. Everybody say that with me. God with us. God in us. God through us. So God says, I want to be with you. I want my presence to be with you so that when my presence is with you, it's in you and my presence can flow through you in your life and you can be led by the Holy Spirit of God. So I find it interesting that his first name that he's given by the prophet is again, the prophet's not giving him his name, but God's speaking and God's saying he's wonderful, but not just wonderful, he's wonderful counselor. So what was the assignment of Jesus when Jesus was leaving the earth? And he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will leave you the Holy Spirit, which will be your counselor. And so he says, he says, understand that in your life, you're not on your own. Now you can be if you want to, but you can actually... Not walk according to the lust of your flesh. And basically that's what you want, what you desire, what you think you need. But you can be led by the Spirit of God. And so 
With that said, wonderful. If his name is wonderful, what does that mean? It means revealer of divine secrets. Can I just tell you something? There's some secrets that God has just for you. I said, there are some secrets that God has just for you. And they're for you to find. There are treasures, Deuteronomy 28, that are just for you and for your family. Watch this. That you bring not just to your tribe, but you bring, bring to us your family of choice. That we become the beneficiaries of whatever secrets that God has for you. If it's revealed to you, Deuteronomy 29, 29, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the whole Bible, says the secret things belong to the Lord, but when they're revealed, they belong to us and our children forever. Let's say it a different way. It belongs to us and our people, our tribe, forever. What secrets is God wanting to reveal to you? As you walk your life out being led by the Holy Spirit of God, the wonderful counselor that we can all become the beneficiary of. Well, guess what? We've got to do enough life together that we benefit from each other, right? So that's what our church is. It's a family. It's not about membership. It's not just about, you know, membership has its privileges. Those are all cute things to say. But it's about being a part of a tribe. It's about finding your tribe and knowing the vibe of the tribe and knowing that, that there's something that you contribute very uniquely to the tribe with your fingerprint to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave and all the things that we teach and that we believe here. And so wonderful means a revealer of divine secrets. It means the wisdom of the king. After Christ's birth, of course, the wise men arrived in Jerusalem. Herod gathered the chief priests and the scribes, and he asked them where this Messiah was going to be born because he had heard about the prophecy. They responded by citing an Old Testament prophecy pinpointing Bethlehem as the birthplace of Christ. And the Bible says in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Again, repeated in Matthew the second chapter and the sixth verse. Herod's murderous response of the slaughtering of young boys in Bethlehem led to the fulfillment of three other prophecies. So again, he went on a, a, this crazy, he said, if there's a king that's going to be born, i got to make sure that all the, 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 the boys are murdered. And there was literally, it was the first, it was, it was a time in history not unlike the time when Pharaoh had all the firstborn males murdered. That's what happened when, when Jesus, when it was even announced that G, this prophecy was given, Herod believed it to the point that he tried to murder every male baby. What, what do you believe about the Word of God that you're willing to take massive action on? I mean, even a pagan took massive action. It was the wrong kind of action, but he took massive action based on the prophecy. I find that so interesting. So the first tragic massacre fulfilled the words of Jeremiah. A voice heard, is heard in, in Ramah, or Ramah. Lamentation, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So it talks about the women of that, of that area weeping because their children are no more. The second fulfilled prophecy resulting from Herod's paranoid rage took place after Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Egypt. Upon their return, God's words in Hosea 11.1 1 says this, Out of Egypt I called my son. This prophecy was originally made as a statement in history that God had called and brought Israel out of Egypt, guided by the Holy Spirit. And Matthew used these same words to refer to Christ. Why? Because everything about God's children points to Jesus. Everything about Jesus points to you. In other words, it's not like, hey, hey let's get to know about Jesus. No, as we get to know Jesus, 
and you invite Jesus to come into your heart and Jesus lives in you, Jesus said, greater works than these will you do. We can't even fathom that. Because guess what? If, not, if I'm not in wonder of this precious gift that God's given me on the front row named Sheila, who I call Precious, who in this house is Pastor Precious. If I'm not in wonder of her, guess what? I lose some of my wonder that I have with and through her. If I'm not in wonder of my children, and I am, I adore them. And now my grandchildren, I adore them. Watch this. If I'm not in wonder and don't have a revelation that I'm not just a natural father of origin, but I'm also a spiritual father. And if I don't operate in that and speak with authority with that, then I'll lose this sense of wonder that we are family. All my brothers, sisters, and me. It's an old church song. You see, but you got to listen. Hey, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to your family of choice. Why don't you just look around and thank God for the people that are around you that are going to help you go and grow to your next level. By the way, that won't happen if you just come to church. It happens when you plug in with family and you do life with family. That's why we have events like She Time and She Dazzle. That's why we have events like our Warrior Breakfast. That's why we have events like Wednesday Night First Fruits. I want to encourage you to be here. Dr. John Bozeman is going to be with us. It's going to be amazing. Listen, if you've never come to a First Fruit service, or listen, why don't you just get maybe, maybe this... All the months of this year, you, you've, you've not like had everything in order. Just get everything in order. Put God first financially. Just, just, just say, hey, you know what? Our church, our family is meeting here on Wednesday night. We're going to do communion together. That's the one time we do communion in our church every month, the first Wednesday of every month. It's, 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 it's first family Wednesday. It's like the family gathers, and we, we honor God, and we see people baptized and have made decisions for Jesus. We celebrate as a family. We receive a word from God. We take communion. We, we, we spend just about an hour together, and it's just taking time to get together. The final prophecy discussed in Matthew pertained to the events in the early years of Jesus and had to do with his boyhood home. God warned Joseph in a dream not to go back to Judea, instead took Mary and Jesus to Nazareth in Galilee. Matthew 2.23 says this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, that he will be called a Nazarene, born of a virgin, out of Egypt, in Bethlehem, in Nazareth. All these prophecies... So all these prophecies point to not only the birth of Jesus, but you go on in Scripture and you find out that they detailed the rest of his life, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. He would be betrayed by a friend, Psalms 41. The betrayal would be for not 20 pieces of silver, but 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11.12. That the money would be used to purchase a potter's field, Zechariah 11.13. That the Messiah would die a sacrificial death for us, Daniel 9.26, Isaiah 53, verse 8. That he would die with criminals, but his burial would be with the wealthy, Isaiah 53.9. That he would rise from the dead, somebody put an amen on that, Psalm 16 and Isaiah 53, 10, that he would say certain words on the cross, that he would be mocked by people and that they would gamble for his clothes. Psalms 22, verses 8 and 18. It's crazy. And when you think about these circumstances that not only surround Christ's birth, but his life, we should rejoice. We should have a sense of wonder that he's come to the earth, that he's dealt with our sin, that we can praise God for fulfilling his promises, that we can have complete confidence that he will always be faithful. And whatever he says, it will come to pass. 
By the way, let me give you some good news that's some bad news for some people. There are no prophecies that foretell the details of the birth of any other religious leader. There's no prophecies that alerted the world that Muhammad was coming. There was no prophecies that alerted the world that Joseph Smith was coming, Mormonism. There's no prophecies for the Jehovah's Witnesses that Charles Taz Russell was coming. There's no prophecies that Buddhism and Gautama was going to be in the earth. There are no prophecies. There's no founder of any world's religion that has been prophesied about. And yet the Old Testament pinpointed numerous details about the life of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And the Bible says in Matthew 11 verse 19 that wisdom is proved by her deeds. John 14, 6, Jesus proclaimed himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so the Christ of the gospel is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. The God who said in Jeremiah 32, 27, is there anything too hard for me? Can I just tell you, he's saying the same thing today. You might be going through a tough time in your life. There may be something that seems impossible to you. Can I just tell you this morning, I woke up about 5 o'clock. I was very discouraged. I was like, what in the world? It's like a spirit. It's like a spirit of discouragement that's on me. And it was on me. And I have to fight this. I don't even understand it. I just know that God's about to do something amazing. And so it's like this stuff. And many of you heard a few months ago, I told you, I said, one of the kings, just like going into the promised land, that, that there had to be 31 kings that were defeated for them to have their promise that sometimes this 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 spirit of discouragement will hit me. And I don't know if you can identify with this, but, but this morning I decided to be very transparent. I decided to be very um, just honest with some of my pastor friends who every Saturday night for years, I don't even know how many years it's been, and Sunday mornings I'll send pastors all over America. And if I listed their names, you'd know every one of them. You'd, so those of you that know, know the church world. And, and I just said, hey, you know what? I woke up this morning and I was discouraged and I I just, but the word of the Lord came to me and just like in this season of Christmas and even when the angel was speaking to Mary, is there anything that's too impossible for God? In other words, and I encouraged my, so out of my own discouragement, I encouraged my pastor friends. I said, listen, God knows what he's called you to do and he's a faithful God and he's going to bring it to pass. And I just shared that and I, was, I put love Keith and you know, about every Saturday night or Sunday, I'll send it to 25 or 30 of my pastor friends, and sometimes, you know, they'll come back and say, hey, thank you, and hey, great word, and sometimes it'll be more than that. This morning, by the time the second service started, I've heard from every one of the pastors. And you know what they said? There's something, I felt the same thing. I felt the same thing. Thank you for encouraging me. And so here's what I'm telling you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And somebody needs this this morning. Is there anything too hard for God? No, there's not. No, there's not. And no matter what you're going through, let me just tell you something. And I sent, I sent another text back. And it took a lot of time, by the way, this morning. It's like, okay, I was just going to send a prayer text. And it was like a conversation. But, but these are the, some of the leading pastors in the world, not just in America. And I sent a prayer text back and I said, I just want to remind you that we are fighting a fight that God calls a good fight. And we will win because he won. And I want to tell you that today. You will win 
because he won. So when we think about the wonder, anyway, I was talking to Josh. I got sidetracked a while ago this morning. My beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, and he said, Dad, you know, worship, when I was a kid, it used to be so fun. He goes, I just remember, you know, we'd be in the school right over here, you know, Wil- Wilma Fisher Elementary and the Noel Smith Elementary, those are two schools we started in. He said, I remember some of those worship songs. He goes, Dad, you remember Ron Cannoli? I go, yeah. I said, I think he's dead. He goes, no, Dad, he's not dead. I go, I think so. Google him. We're going to the enemy's camp to take back what he took from me. And I go, that's why we don't sing that anymore. It's about the devil. We're not going into any enemy's camp. He's going to have to, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. We're the ones on the attack. And, the, and the, here's the truth. You know, but anyway, my friend, Ron can only like, we, we're not just buddy-buddy now because I don't even know if he's dead or alive. But, but we were friends in the past. And I mean, I'm talking about years ago, man. Year, I can't believe how old I am. Anyway, and so, so, you know, he said, one of the things he said, and he turned it into a song. And this is a word for somebody today. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Some of you are going through some hell right now. Don't stop. You know, I hear people in the world go, what the hell? I never say that. When I feel that, you know what I say? I go, what the heaven? Never let what the hell come out of your mouth. What the heaven is going on? God must be bringing some super into my natural right now. It feels like hell. Max Lucado said it like this. When all hell is breaking loose, all heaven is drawing nigh. Don't find yourself walking around the circle going, what the hell? No, what the heaven? God must be about to do something is why I'm feeling this, why I'm, and guess what? It's a good fight, and I'm going to fight the good fight. When I got out of bed this morning, Sheila goes, what, what time is it? I was sorry to wake her up. Usually I don't wake her up, but she goes, what time is it? I told her, I said, I'm going to go get on my exercise bike, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to work out, and I'm going to step in front of the people today, and I'm going to give them the word. That God has for them and for me. Because his story is prophetic faithfulness in the past that points to his promises in the future for every one of us, no matter what you're going through today. Why don't you put an amen on that? I don't have a lot of time, but let me just say this. You, you say, what is so wonderful about Jesus his name should be called Wonderful. What's, what's so wonderful? I, I could talk all day about this, but he's the Wonderful Counselor. Let's just start there for a minute because here's what happened. God gives his people a promise. He said, after 400 years of bondage and slavery, I, I want you to go into your promised land. And they're so excited. Aren't you glad when you get a promise from God? It's like, I got a word from the Lord. Oh, oh, here's what I believe God's going to do. Yeah, okay, okay. There's just some giants that you're going to have to defeat. Some walls. They, they go over to Jericho, and the first thing they see is not their promise. 
They see giants in the land. They see these great, huge walls. And the wonderful, Mr. Wonderful, can I just call Jesus that for a minute? Mr. Wonderful says, hey, hey, leader, hey, Joshua, here's, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you just to walk around those walls one time uh, the first day and then walk around the walls uh, another time the second day. Walk around the walls the third day. And then fourth day, I want you to walk around the walls again. And on the fifth day, I'd like you to walk around the walls again. Okay, okay, okay. you got that? Okay, okay. And on the sixth day, I want you to walk around the walls. Okay, I got that, I got that. But on the seventh day, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents my presence. And I want the Levites, and I want the worshipers, and I want, the, I want them to begin to worship God. And then I want everybody to face the wall, and I want you to shout, and the walls are going to come down. Okay, this, this might be a hard one for everybody to swallow, wonderful counselor. You see, here we see stuff in our life that looks impossible, and we think, how in the world is this going to work out? How in the world, how, how am I going to get through this wall? How am I going to get past this? And Mr. Wonderful, capital letters, says, just follow me and listen to me. And by the way, as a last resort, worship and shout. Worship and shout. Worship and shout. Well, I'm not really the kind of shouting kind. If you want that wall to come down, you better get your shout on. Wonderful counselor said, do that, and they did it. And guess what? A magic. The walls came down, and they'd never been rebuilt. We were there just a few months ago. Oh, I could tell you a lot about why he's wonderful, but there was another time where there was this prophet named Elijah, and, and he goes into a city, and wonderful says, I want you to find the poorest woman that's a widow that in this famine and drought, ask her for food and water. Okay. So the man of God doesn't go to the rich man in town. He goes to the poorest woman and says, hey, I need some food and I need some water. And here's what she says. Verse Kings 10th chapter. I'm, to, I'm down to my last meal, uh, sir. And uh, by the way, aren't you a full-grown man? Why don't you go get you some food? I mean, this is a natural thought process. Why you? I'm a widow. I'm down to my last meal. And after this, we're just going to die. And I have, I've got maybe one more drink. We're in a famine and a drought. And you're a prophet of God. And you want me to give you my last meal. Yeah, if you'll do that, I, I'm just telling you. God, you know, I don't understand it all. God's going to show up and you'll never have another need. Really? She gives him her last meal she gives him water. And the Bible says for the rest of her life, God took care of her. You see, we miss moments where he can prove his wonderfulness to us because we think we've got to be self-sufficient. And we're not obedient in what God tells us to do. Let me just put it in modern day. Why would that preacher ask me for money? It's never about asking you for money. Nothing happens without you giving. Oh, you can work for things. You, you can work, you know, you can go your own way. Another church song. Go your own way. I did it my way. You, can, you know, you can do all that stuff. Or you can say, God, you know what? Such as I have, I give.
And until you release it out of your hand into his hand, he can't bring the provision in your life that he wants to bring. It's so hard for us to get this. That's wonderful, counselor. It's opposite of what we think. We think hold. God thinks let go. I release what's in my hand. God says, now I've released what's in my hand to you. Watch what I do. I can give you a lot of stories, but there's this guy named David. He's a little shepherd boy. He's got a lot of energy. His dad, Jesse, says, hey, I want you to go, and I want you to bring your brother some, some bread and cheese. That's your job. I don't want you to watch the sheep right now. Just go bring them some bread and cheese. And so he's focused on his job, right? And so his job is bread and cheese. I got to make the bread so I can have some cheese. And so he goes, and he's feeding his brothers Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah. And, and, and all of a sudden, a giant shows up. You know the story. And all of a sudden, wonderful, Mr. Wonderful Counselor says, hey, your assignment today wasn't about bread and cheese. You see, the thing is never about the thing. But if you get focused on the thing, I got you know, to do, do my job. I gotta, I'm, I'm here to do bread and cheese. You guys are the warriors. Like, that's not my job. And all of a sudden, Mr. Wonderful says, that's your job. Take care because it's not about you and it's not about them. It's about greater is me that is in you than he that's in this world. And you know the story. He runs down to the valley. He says, you come to me with the sword and the spear and the shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God. Today he's going to deliver you into my hands, and then I'm going to cut your thinking off. (laughs) Your giant thinking that's keeping everybody small. And all of a sudden, he defeats the foe. And Wonderful says, isn't that amazing? That thing you've been working on, that sling and that rock thing, was not about keeping bears and lions from the sheep. By the way, you didn't use the sling on the bear and the lion. You used your bare hands. But isn't it amazing, the thing that you've developed, if you'll put it in my hand, no giant will ever be able to stand against you. What is that a picture of? Your job. What is that a picture of? Your enterprise, that if you'll give it to God, he'll use the thing that you thought it was about one thing, and he'll make it about his thing. His name is Wonderful. And he wants us to have a sense of wonder about our job. Not gripe about our job, a sense of wonder about our family. Not gripe about our family, a sense of wonder about our marriage. Not gripe about our marriage. Why is it? Because his name shall be called Wonderful. And then Counselor. So much I could tell you here, but I don't have time. But let me just say this. He's able to control all the forces and elements of nature. He's able to restrain all the influences and movements of society. He's able to turn the hearts of men at his pleasure and overthrow their counsels and their works. He's able to save the lost, to pardon the guiltiest soul, to cleanse the blackest heart, to renew the most wretched and ruined life. He's able to fill the heart of sorrow with untroubled gladness. He's able to take away the strongest tendencies of sin and give degraded and selfish souls the power to do that which is right and holy. He's able to put his heart and his nature in the most corrupt and helpless soul. He's able to touch the springs of physical life and fill them with his own strength and healing. He's able to meet temptations that overcome us and to make us more than conquerors through him that loved us. He's able to make even our little lives mighty forces for everlasting good and clothe us in his power so that no matter what stands in front of us, we will bring light and darkness and God will take our gifts and he will use them in the world and the world will see Jesus because of us. He's Mr. Wonderful. His story proves that his story is true over and over and over and over and over. 
But here's the second thing. Listen, his story in the past has become our story in the future. So everything in this book, listen, I want to say it one more time because you can miss this. Oh, it's about God. It's about the Holy Spirit. You know, I grew up in church. Oh, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. No, it's not. Stop saying that if you say it. Oh, it's all about Jesus. No, it's not all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus so it can be all about you. What? Yes. You have a function and a purpose in the world. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Well, it's just all about Jesus. No, it's all about Jesus so God can use your life for his glory in the earth. So his story in the past has become our story in the future. Listen to this, Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which, by the way, in case you don't know, here's what it means. And they give us the translation, God with us. God with us. God for us. Who can stand against us? God with us, God for us. So God with us, as we've said before, God in us and God through us. God wants to be with us so he can be in us so that his presence can flow through our lives. I came across a story that so touched my life. I was just in tears in our house, and she was, sometimes she walks through. She didn't know what, what's going on with me because I'm saying, oh, my goodness, you're not going to believe this. This is, oh, God's speaking to me through this. And let me just give you the cliff notes. This man was a stockbroker. In 1929, and actually 1939, he was 29 years old, 1939, and he was going on a ski trip, and before he headed on his ski trip, his friend said, hey, I want you to see what's happening in Czechoslovakia, and all of a sudden, they went to a refugee camp of Jews, and this was pre-Hitler, but Hitler's machine was rolling through Europe. And the Jews had fled from, from that part of the world into Czechoslovakia, and there were thousands and thousands of them. And by the way, this man, this stockbroker, this 29-year-old, never made it to his ski vacation, but instead he saw a need, and he decided not to just fill the need, but to lead the need. To make a very long story short, he saved 669 children from the Nazi death camps, from the furnaces of Auschwitz and other horrible prison camps that Jews were put in in World War II. At his own expense, he got trains and raised money to get children out of Czechoslovakia. He didn't just do that, but he also arranged homes for them, food for them, clothes for them. Talk about taking on a responsibility and seeing a need and not just feeling it, but seeing a need and leading it and getting other people involved in it. For 50 years, he told no one about it. He got married. One day, his wife was up in his attic, and she saw this scrapbook, and she saw all these names, and she came down, and she said, Nicholas, what is this? And for the first time in 50 years, he said, well, when I was 29, here's what happened. Nobody ever knew his story for 50 years. When I saw this story, I said, I've got to show my family this. 
because this is his story, God's story, becoming our story for the future when we see a need and not only feel it, but when we see a need and lead it. I want you to meet Nicholas Winton. A question which I know intrigues everyone who hears your story is why did you keep it secret for so long? I didn't really keep it secret. I just didn't talk about it. All this time, you're in England, then you go back to Czechoslovakia, then you go to Israel. You still had no idea how your departure from Czechoslovakia had been organized. Absolutely no idea. And you learned that by seeing it on television. That's right. In 1988, the BBC learned about Winton's story and invited him to be part of a program. He had no idea that the people sitting around him were people he had saved. Can I ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? Mr. Winton, would you like to turn round? On behalf of all of them, thank you very much indeed. I suppose it was the most emotional moment of my life, suddenly being confronted with all these children who weren't by any means children anymore. No, they weren't, and for the first time, they looked at you and knew that you were the reason that they were alive. Yeah. True. I wore this around my neck, and this is the actual path that we were given to come to England. And I'm another of the children that you face. Lady Milliner Grenfell Baines describes Winton as one of the most modest people she's ever met. Why do you think he didn't say anything for 50 years? I think it was in his, in his nature. He really felt that he'd done all he could, and having got those children settled, he felt, been there, done that, my job's done, I've got other things to do. Other things. For the last 50 years, Winton's been helping mentally handicapped people and building homes for the elderly. We've just opened our second old people's home, and it's full. And it's doing very well. And there are plenty of old people like me to go in. But you're not there, you're at home. Oh, I'd hate to go into one of my own homes. <laughs> Don't print that. <laughs> Sir Nicholas Winton. In 2003, Winton was knighted and became Sir Nicholas Winton. In the Czech Republic, he's become a national hero. He was celebrated in a documentary called Nikki's Family, but he isn't really comfortable with all the adulation. I'm not interested in the past. I think there's too much emphasis nowadays on the past and what has happened, and nobody is concentrating on the present and the future. In 1939, Nicholas Winton used a two-week vacation to go to Prague and ended up saving the lives of 669 children. In a decade since, of course, the children had children, who then had children, and so on. 
and the numbers multiplied. You want to summarize it in one sentence. A guy takes a two-week vacation. And ends up with 15,000 children. Yes. Yes. It's a pretty good story. It's a great story. They've got children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And none of them would be here if it hadn't been for Sir Nick. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible responsibilities. So, last night, we were in church. Uh, last night, we were in church, and a girl came up to me, and she said, I met Nicholas Winton in France in 2006. I said, tell me the story. She said, I was finishing my master's program, and he was speaking at a Holocaust Museum. And she said, what was really strange is there were many Jews there. In fact, everybody there that was a Jew, they were upset at him. And the reason they were upset at him is because all 669 of those children, he led to Christ. So, which has now produced 15,000 people through their downline. So some of the Jews were upset, and you can see how humble he is. And so after a long pause, when somebody asked him a question about it, he said, I have a question for you. Would you rather a dead Jew in Czechoslovakia or a born-again Christian in Britain? And they stood to their feet and gave him a standing ovation. I was so moved by this because it's Grow the Dream Weekend. And we can hear that and we can think, oh, what does that mean? And one of the things that woke me up this morning is I live with this. We don't just announce that the first weekend of every month is Grow the Dream Weekend because it's a cute little campaign. It's to remind us of what our mission is. A 29-year-old stockbroker making good money living his own life, going on a ski vacation, and he pauses and stops long enough to see a need and to see people who are lost, and he gives them a future. This morning, here's what I wrote. It's Grow the Dream Weekend. What does that mean? It means, first of all, that God has called us to grow. According to Ephesians 4, to grow up in all things, to help other people grow, and to cause growth in the kingdom to happen. This weekend is a reminder that as a church family, we start every new month with giving over and above to advance God's dream in the earth. We are not casual about that in this tribe and in this family called Elevate Life Church. We don't just pause, but on this first weekend of the last month of 2017, we are intentional about the awesome responsibility that God has given us to advance his purpose and his cause and his agenda in the earth. What does Grow the Dream Weekend mean? It means that we take very seriously the part of God's dream that he's given us to steward. It means, it, it reminds us that God is dreaming his dream through us and we play a very important part and role in that dream. 
It means that we sacrifice and that we give to make what is impossible with man possible with God because we take the challenge to be the heart, the hands, and the feet of Jesus in the earth. It's Grow the Dream Weekend. I want to encourage you and your family, our family, to know what it means and be intentional with me to do your part to fulfill the purpose of God that is on this house and on your house. What is Grow the Dream Weekend? It is a privilege and it's an honor to partner with the creator of the universe to bring heaven to earth. You see, when I see a story like that and I think, here's a believer in the earth that decides to take action and fund the trains himself, find the homes for 669 kids himself, lead 669 of them to a person, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet knows that he does all that he does for God, not for the accolades, not for what somebody might say to him, not because in 2003 the Queen of England is going to knight him, but at 106 on January the 1st, 2015, he went to be with the Lord. And you know what I think in my life? I think, man, God, I just, I really do. This is what started me this morning. Like I want to, I want to make a difference. And so when I come to these weekends, and I apologize for being so emotional, but when I come to these weekends and I talk to you about this, it's not just to get your money. It's to do your part. It's to understand it's up to us. The neighbors around you, the people that you work with, the people that you interface with, it's up to us to care enough. We, we may not see them in a refugee camp, but they're in bondage, many of them. We, we may not see them, but yesterday, 400 of us decided that we were going to serve this city. And so it wasn't about putting 684 bags of trash, picking it up in this city. It wasn't just about feeding 4,000 people. It wasn't just about going to 11 different locations and serving. Nobody's walking around today bragging about it, but that's who we are. We are the church, and it's Grow the Dream Weekend so that we can advance God's kingdom in the earth and be reminded that that's what we're put on the earth to do. Now, I'm going to say something that Pastor Sheila might rebuke me for later, but it's worth it. And you can judge me for it if you want to, but I'm going to talk as a father here for just a minute. So please hear my heart as a father. Try to see me that way just for a second. There's not one weekend that's the first weekend of every month that Pastor Sheila and I in 18 years haven't been very intentional. I'm talking about when we come to this weekend, we bring, for this year, we brought a $5,000 check every first weekend of Grow the Dream Weekend. I'm not telling you that to pat myself on the back. I'm telling you that it won't happen if we don't get intentional about it. And we can't just sit there and go, let's grow the Well, let's hope, we can, let's hope we can serve our city. Let's hope people show up. Let's hope we have some money when there's a tragedy in Houston. Let's hope, let's hope as a church, you know, we can keep the lights on and people can get paid. No, we've got to get very intentional and just say, you know what? I have a part in this. And I think about that woman at Zarephath, that God would pick a widow who only had her last meal that would be willing to do that why? Not just so her needs could be met, but so it could be a story in the Bible that we could say there's not one of us probably here that's down to our last meal and our last drink of water. And how insensitive would it be of me as a man of God to ask you for that? But I try to tell you what I give. And here's what I'm telling you. In 18 years, there's never been a weekend like this where Pastor Sheila and I haven't brought at least $3,000 every weekend for 18 years 
on the first weekend of the month. I'm not saying that because you go, wow, you must have a lot of money. No, no, no. Here's what, here's what I want you to know. We're very intentional. We're not just your pastors. We're the mom and dad of this house. And guess what? I carry that weight and carry that burden. And it wakes me up at freaking five o'clock in the morning to go, there's a word that my family needs to get. And we need to get serious about putting God first and about funding God's kingdom and making sure that his message, his heart, his hands, and his feet happen in the earth. So please hear my heart. And if you don't want to give anything, don't give anything. But if you're ever in need, know that if you're connected to the right people in the right place at the right time, you'll never have a need that won't be met. I believe that with all my heart. And it leads me to the last thing that I want to say. The last thing I want to say is this. His story is not just proof that his story is true. His story is not just our story in the future, but listen very carefully. Our story makes his story wonderful. All day long, I could tell you, if you didn't know Pastor Mark, I could tell, I could tell, uh, I could tell David, I could, I could go, David, you've got to meet Pastor Mark. He is the greatest guy. He is a wonderful guy. And you know what David would do because he's my friend? He would smile like we all do when somebody's bragging on somebody, right? Oh, oh that's great. That's great that you feel that way about him. I don't. Because he's wonderful to you, but he's not wonderful to me. But I like hearing your story, and it kind of makes me feel good that you feel good about somebody else. And, man, I wish I had a friend like Mark that I could say that about. In other words, listen very carefully. His name should be called Wonderful. Who proves that? Who proves that Jesus is wonderful? We do. Remember the scripture I gave you earlier in Matthew eleven nineteen: Wisdom is proven by her deeds. In other words, I live in my best and highest use, and I prove that his story becomes my story that makes his story wonderful for other people. And I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the reasons that Elevate Life Church exists, is to not only show that he's wonderful and preach about how, but our lives demonstrate the wonderfulness of God, and we live in that wonder. I came across this story, and I'm going to end with this. And man, this one, oh my goodness. I was like, oh. Let me just tell you a little bit about it, and then I want to show you a little video, and then we're going to be done. Chris Matthews was taking his family to church in Georgia a few years ago, and he noticed a woman walking along the side of the road carrying a gas can. And so they weren't that far from the church, and so he dropped his family off, and he came back to the woman, and he said, hey, can I, can I help you with something? And she said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm out of gas and almost out of money. I've got $5. He would find out as she got in his car and he took her to get some gas in the gas can and then put that gas in the car so they could get the car to the gas station so he could fill up her gas tank for $40. He would find out a little bit about her story that she was a single mom, recently divorced, very much struggling, and yet a born-again believer. And so Chris was a born-again believer, and he served in his church, his Cornerstone Church in, in Georgia. And they were talking, and as she, he filled up her car, he said bye to her and didn't think any more about it. Didn't think he'd ever see her again. Three years later, Chris's mom, Judy, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. 
it was advanced, and there were a lot of other issues that were going that she was going through, and she went from being a beautiful, beautiful mom to a very, very sick lady in a very short time, and it caused the family to seek some outside care. And so they began to inter- interview nurses, and one day Chris got a call from his dad, and his dad said, you've got to meet this woman. She's incredible. I think she's the one that's going to care for our mother. We want the best, and I think she's the best. And Chris walked through the door of his father's house, and he had a ball cap on, and he looked at this lady, and they started talking, and they were interviewing her and found out she was a believer, and he was a believer, and that's what they were looking for, somebody that would pray. And, and he asked her what church she went to, and she told him, he said, what church did you go to? And he said, I, I go to Cornerstone. She goes, oh, I, I met somebody from Cornerstone Church about three years ago. I was walking along the street and had a gas can in my hand, and this nice young man stopped, and he filled up my gas tank. Chris took his hat off and he said, I'm that guy. Long story short, Tundi became the nurse for their family. And she had always had a dream. You see, she was, she was not a full-blown nurse at that time. She was actually in nursing school. And she became the nurse that would especially help after hours. And she would come beyond what she was paid to do. And she was such a great servant leader. She actually became a part of their family. And it was such a beautiful story that, unfortunately, when Judy passed away, Chris's family said, listen, don't send flowers. They just die. Let's do something for Tundi, who cared for our mother so well. It's a YouTube that's gone crazy, about 14 million plus views. I thought I'd show you a little clip about what happened right after Chris's mom died and how Tundi's life would be changed forever. Watch this. We would love to surprise and bless her in Judy's honor. So in lieu of flowers, we're asking friends and loved ones to donate to Tony's education so she can continue to fulfill her calling. To know her is to love her, and we're all, we are all in awe of how God worked so miraculously for our past to cross again when we needed her the most. So, This <laughs> way it gets better. Yeah, it gets even better. Wait, can it's I get better. a So, Tundi, you have a gift. A lot of people we be- believe in you and want to see you become a nurse. This won't cover all your school's expenses, but it's a wonderful start. This was raised for you in less than one week, and we want to close the site, but more people still want to give. So, here's a start. <laughs> oh, no, Oh, no. No, you're so good to me. Oh, my God. Y'all did man. Yes, it is. So, within, within what? Carmen, within oh, one, within one hour. Are you kidding me? No, <laughs>
our story makes his story wonderful. Single mom, just went through a horrible divorce, walking along the road, probably discouraged like I was this morning, thinking I'm down to my last $5. And if you saw the road she was walking on, there's a whole story about it. NBC followed up and did a story on it, and CNN did a story on it, and Huda and Kathy Lee did a story on it. It was a long road with no gas station in sight. A lot of time to think, a lot of time to be discouraged, a lot of time to feel hopeless. And God brings a young man who lives with a transcendent cause that notices and is a servant leader. And he serves her, not hoping for anything in return. God, if I do this, would you make sure my business goes good? God, if I do this, would you heal my mom? God, if you do this, no, I'm going to just do what I do. I'm going to be the church. And he meets a temporary need that she has. And three years later, by that act of kindness, God brings them together. And she's the one that ushers his mom into the kingdom of God from her arms into the arms of the Lord. Today, she's a part of that family. And guess what? That was a check for 8000 Her school bill was over 35000 and in about the next hour, 37000 came in, and her bill was completely paid. I'm going to go way out on a ledge right now, but I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to tell you something. If you will get God's agenda on this Grow the Dream weekend like you never have before and get intentional, there is a confidence that I live with because I don't let these moments pass. And I beg people around me, I drive them crazy. All the men that are around me, I drive them crazy. I say, don't miss this moment. Do you, do you, do you understand? Like I said, it can be taken so wrong what I'm saying. But I, I don't know any way else to say it. If I was talking to my son, I'd go, Josh, this is what I do. I'm telling you, as the father of this house, for 18 years, I have never not given on this weekend and it's never been less than 3,000, ever. And this year I told Sheila, I said, we're gonna do 5,000 every, every um, Grow the Dream weekend. Now again, does God care how much it is? No. Did, did, did Chris think, let's see, how much is it gonna cost to put gas in that red gas tank? Oh, it's gonna cost me $40. And he sows this seed into the caretaker that would usher his mother in the... I don't know what's in your future, but here's what I can tell you. Everything you do for God today, your story makes his story wonderful. It makes his story wonderful. I want to challenge you. I want to stir you up. I want you to hear the voice of a father speaking into your spirit. And to your core, this is the last month of the year. And I have prophesied, and in the name of Jesus, it's going to come to pass. This is going to be the best month of the year. If you believe that, let me just tell you something. We're already sowing seed for our future. Put God first today. We're going to, we're going to receive our offering. That's number one. Put God first. No matter what you made this week, you made a thousand. Put a hundred. That's your first fruit. But then give over and above on top of that. Get very intentional about it. And I've told my kids, I'm intentional. Listen, I'm intentional. I'm intentional with Sheila. 
I'm intentional on the 20th of every month. Again, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm telling you, I want that kind of marriage. I want her to feel honored. I want it to be special. I want God to feel special today because in this house and in this tribe and in this family, God, we're saying, we're not just pausing. We're saying we're going to be intentional like never before to advance your cause in the earth. And you can count on us. And God says, you can count on me, Keith Craft, in the future, that there's never going to be a need that you have that I'm not going to meet. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's new book, Your Divine Fingerprint. And visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.